Welcome one and all to another day, another week, another year here at the Damage Report. Me, John Adrola, we're launching into 2024, which I hear is gonna be a pretty big year. There's a lot on the line for the MCU, for democracy. There's a lot coming up that's gonna be super exciting. So we wanted to start off the year right by bringing in one of my favorite people to break down the news with. Nina Turner returns once again, Senators, great to have you here. Great to be here, John, always with you and the Dragon Squad. Yes, glad to have the Dragon Squad here as well. Thank you, all of you out there. We have, you know, for the past like couple of years, we've tried to both inform and entertain everyone. And then also, you know, advised all of you to, you know, take time off when needed and everything, maintain your mental health. Well, stop it, okay? You need to buckle in because it's 2024 and S is getting real in here. But anyway, we're gonna talk about some of the different ways that it's getting real and some of the ways that it's getting kind of unreal in just a little bit. We're gonna be talking about New Year's along the way, some of the fun coming out of that. We're gonna be talking about an interesting asymmetry that I've noticed in the media about the way they're addressing the GOP and the Democratic primaries. That's gonna be fun. New polls coming out that are Hard to believe, I will say, and not good news for Joe Biden. So we're gonna be breaking that down. And Lauren Bober is making an absolute fool out of herself explaining why she is running to a new district to save her political hide. And somewhere along the way, probably in the aftermath. So if you're listening to the podcast, go to the YouTube channel and find it. We're going to give Kellyanne Conway credit for an idea she has. It's the first time that has ever happened on the show. I'm very excited. I hope all of you all of you are excited. Before all that though, hit the like button, share the stream so the people know we're live. And with all that said, Nina, are you ready to do this thing? Let's go, baby. Let's break into some news. We're gonna be starting off with this. It's a new year and that means that last night the champagne was flowing. Today, the MAGA tears are flowing because of what they were shown on New Year's Eve, specifically the Rockin' Eve on CNN. See, at the stroke of midnight, they go to the crowd. What the crowd does is at midnight, you kiss someone. You know, one of your partners, someone you're in love with, whatever. Well, they did that, and the MAGA world was not happy about it. Take a look at this photo. This is apparently the first couple that they showed, and see if you can figure out what issue MAGA had with this. <laughs> Dear God, it's gay men kissing. Stop the presses. Stop everything. In fact, we need to express our feelings about this. So, MAGA took to Twitter, and these comments are amazing. America first warrior, someone who self identifies as a warrior, tweeted CNN, supposedly a news outlet propagandizing by showing a gay male couple making out as the first couple's kissing after the ball drops. You know they pulled them out of the crowd hours prior and put them in their VIP section had cameras set up for their pre-planned kiss as the first shot. I love that he's pointing out that the kiss was pre-planned. It's a New Year's Eve kiss, they're all pre-planned. It's not like people randomly were like, oh, oh, we were just kissing. Did a ball drop or something? That's what the holiday is. But it just bothers him so much. He's talking about the alphabet mafia and his kids being the target of that kiss. And wokeness says the very first moment of 2024 was an interracial gay kiss curated for public consumption. Well, I mean, that was the first moment of 2024. If you were watching CNN's New Year's Rock and Eve, but there was all sorts of different things you could be doing. 
Wow Bagger is damn disappointed. Her daughter had to see that. It was so obviously planned. It's TV and it's a holiday. Everybody's so shocked by this. Queen Anne says, saw it live, so staged. They're all staged. That's what it is. And I would just like to ask, I guess them, but I will throw the question to you, Nina. If it was a straight couple, as it has been, let me run them, let me do the numbers. Every other time, was that propaganda? Was that aimed at gay couples, kids? Was that disgusting because that's not the sort of kissing that they want to get up to? Why is it that that's not staged and planned and not journalism? As if the New Year's Rockin' Eve is supposed to be some sort of bastion of journalism or whatever. Why is there that inconsistency, Nina Turner? <laughs> oh, John, I'm laughing my natural behind off right now. I mean, these people really have too much time on their hands. I got some advice for them. Seek. Help. Two words, <laughs> seek help. If this is the way you're gonna start off your New Year's, I mean, for the love of God. And your point about the kisses being staged, I mean, it's it's customary that when people are happy and joyful, that they celebrate and they embrace somebody that they love or like, and they mm -hmm. hug and kiss them. I mean, Jesus Christ, why are they acting like this is something new? No, they wouldn't have said a mumbling word if it was a heterosexual couple. I mean, was that heterosexual couple being uh, trying to sexualize their children that may have been up at midnight? I mean, a lot of people's children are not up at midnight, no matter, even if it's a New Year's Eve celebration. I mean, most little kids are asleep at that time. But yeah. what difference does it make? It wasn't sexual in nature. It was celebratory. It's like, oh, loved one, we made it to a new year. I'm so happy and you're mm -hmm. here with me. Let's kiss. Maybe, John, maybe they're just jealous because they don't have nobody to kiss. That's what I think. Maybe. Maybe. Honestly, I, I don't know how anyone makes it to midnight. Forget the kids not making it. I was asleep at 10. My wife didn't make it past 8.30. What are you all doing that you have energy to just be awake at midnight at this point? That's true. I was holding on for dear life, John. Yeah, I I used to I used to make it. Not anymore. Um <laughs> But yeah, the just the the rage and the obvious hypocrisy there. And it's like it's like the worst sort of hypocrisy too because you know how angry would they be if one of these people was cornered and you ask them like can you explain logically why it's indoctrination and propaganda if a gay couple kisses but not they because they just want to live in a world, not just a world where there are no gay people. That goes out saying they want to live in a world where you don't have to explain that sort of hypocrisy. It's just expected that everyone is going to agree that gay people get in the closet. We don't have to see that stuff. And not just gay people, they throw all sorts of different groups in there. They don't want to have to explain their hatreds and their fears and their jealousies. They just want to be elevated as a result of these psychological flaws that they have. Um, Patriots, they're out of touch with America. You know what they're in touch with? The fact that there are millions upon millions of gay people in America, and sometimes they kiss. And I apologize if for once you saw a couple kissing on the New Year's Rockin' Eve and it didn't turn you on. I think it's weird that you would expect that every couple does. I've seen many people, couples, randomly kiss in my life. And very rarely did I come out of the experience saying, that was hot and awesome. It's people living their life. It's not about you. I don't know why everything has to be so tailor made for them. And again, I will point out, I apologize. I'll point out what I've pointed out before on the topic of like representation in movies. It is so weird 
to be told by people like this that representation doesn't matter, that you sh if you're gay or whatever, you shouldn't want to see gay people in movies. Why is that important? Well, at the same time, they demand that literally everything represents them. They clearly think it's the most important thing in the world. But only for them can't be dispensed to anyone else. It's ridiculous and it can't be pointed out often enough how ridiculous it is. Nina, more thoughts before we move on. I mean, it's madness, John. I, I try not to enter the mind of mad people. And for, for the love of God, to start the new year off like that, I feel sorry for some of these people, John. Really, honestly, I'm not trying to be sarcastic here. That's a sad, I mean, think about it. You you really are in a bad way already on the first damn day of the new year. And, you, and they still got 364 more days to go. Lord, 100%. God bless them. <sighs> Somebody, somebody bless them, uh, get them out of their, these dark ways. Well, that wasn't the only thing that made them mad. Uh, after the MAGA world came to grips with the fact that there had been a gay kiss, uh, they were also angry at Green Day because Green Day performed the New Year's Rockin' Eve and they changed their lyrics to their hit song, American Idiot. Now, uh, Billy Joe Armstrong, frontman for the group, uh, drew cheers from the live audience when he sang out, quote, I'm not part of the MAGA agenda during his performance. The original line is, I'm not a part of a redneck agenda. American Idiot, which the punk trio wrote in response to 9-11 and the policies of the, the W. Bush administration, is among the band's most political songs. So I will say, I don't know that I would have changed the lyrics. You don't have to do that. But if you are gonna change the lyrics of a song, it was already a political song. Like it's not like you're taking, you know, I don't know, what's what's a non-political song? And then suddenly making it about the death penalty or something. They're just updating a song that was already inherently political. But that sort of nuance or understanding is gonna be lost on them. Nick Adams, the alpha male says, Green Day hasn't been relevant in decades. Nobody cares what they think. You are tweeting in response to their performance. So, you know, you care a little bit. Says they're only going woke and attacking Trump now because they're past their prime and desperate for attention. I won't be giving it to them. You're literally giving it to them right now. That is what you are doing in that message. It says, I'll be listening to Kid Rock instead. Kid Rock got a gun and shot up Bud Light. A case could be made that he's only going anti-woke and attacking the LGBTQ community because he's passed his attention. But for some reason, when those people pass their prime flock to Fox News, that's not worthy of notice. Um, so anyway, like I wouldn't have done it, Nina, but not everything has to line up. There's there's performances by country stars that don't agree with me politically, and I live my life. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's their right to do. They did it. I mean, these these far right people, they kill me. I mean, they're for freedom and liberty, but only the type of freedom and liberty that they agree with. I mean, mm-hmm. this artist, they this band, they decided to change the lyrics. So what? Just don't sing that portion of the song or just say, hey, I disagree with this portion of the song. But just as our, our first, you know, the first part of this segment or this block was about people going crazy over two gay men kissing, the same mentality comes to these artists changing the lyrics in their songs. It means nothing until they make it mean something and obviously is occupying a lot of their 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 brain, their cell power, mm-hmm. which is not a lot. They're showing it already. Why would you want, my question to them, John, is why would you want to start your new year off so burdened yeah. by the little things? None of these things that they have raised, 
will change their individual lives. One iota. Why are they dipping in other people's Kool-Aid? They don't even know the flavor, as we say in the black community. Dipping in the Kool-Aid, you don't even know the flavor. It makes no sense, John. I mean, this is really, these people really seek help. They need help. Yeah. And look, we understand, because I'm sure people are saying in the chat, that a lot of this is obviously performative. I mean, some people, their entire life is performative. Nick Adams, the alpha male, was this like pro-Trumper who initially tried to present himself as an actual alpha male. And it was so laughable that it has now become parody or whatever, which was a nice save. Um, and the vast majority of these people, they weren't watching the Rockin' Eve. Like all these MAGA people were tuning into CNN to close out the year. That's what we're supposed to believe. They weren't watching <laughs> Eagle News or Patriot.Truth. They were all watching Anderson Cooper. Come on. And that that's what, but like, there are people who are legitimately, pathetically, angry about this. And then there's the other people who their online persona, the cosplay that they do as their life, as their career is to pretend to be mad about things that they didn't experience. Both of those are sad. We can maybe we can put up a poll about which is sadder, but um in either case, I think that these people need to get a goddamn hobby. I have many. I can I can suggest a few if you like. Yeah, anyway. get a life, John. You summed it up. They really do need to get live a little, please. 100%. There's, you know, life isn't everlasting. We all will pass. Is this what you want to look back on? That you pretended to be mad about a Green Day show you didn't watch on a channel you never tune into? Is that on your deathbed? Is that what you want, Nick Adams? <laughs> anyway. With that said, we're gonna move on to other news, which is equally ridiculous, but far scarier because the person doing this could be present. So let's jump into this. Donald Trump rang in the new year as you do by bleeding out conspiracy theories about Liz Cheney, saying, why did American disaster Liz Cheney, who suffers from TDS, Trump derangement syndrome, and was defeated for blah, 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 she lost by a lot, who cares? Um, illegally delete and destroy most of the evidence and related items from the January 6th Committee of Political Thugs and Misfits. This act of extreme sabotage makes it impossible for my lawyers to properly prepare for and present a proper defense of their client, me. Yeah, we know that, we know you're the client. Anyway, what, what he's saying, he's talking about Crazy Nancy Pelosi turning down 10,000 soldiers that I offered to guard the Capitol building and beyond, it's gone. Okay, so there's a lot of nonsense there, but let's move to the substance, I guess. It's substantive in the way that cotton candy is technically a solid. Um, so what he's saying is, uh, and, and the reason I think this is worth focusing on is because generally he has not engaged with the actual content of the cases that he's facing. Uh, usually, he just says, they can't come after me, it's election interference. This is him talking about an actual fact on the ground. Did he say there should be 10,000 soldiers or whatever to protect the Capitol? Now, in my view, it's utterly irrelevant because he still sent the crowd there. The fact that there weren't these soldiers, like, okay, I guess then I, I suppose more of your followers would have been shot, I suppose. That's your defense. But it's also utter nonsense. There is no evidence that he told Nancy Pelosi that she should ring the Capitol with soldiers as he was calling around the country to organize his massive riot. There's no evidence of that. And he appears to know that, which is why he is now saying that Liz Cheney, 
for some reason was the single point of contact for whatever evidence there was, she got rid of it. And so now he can't use that as a defense in court. And thus, I guess the whole thing should just dissolve. Why Liz Cheney would be the person that would have single-handed like avail like access to that makes no sense. He's not providing an explanation for that, but he clearly thinks that this is going to be persuasive, at least to his base, if not to a court. You know, what do you think? I mean, Trump per usual is just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what will stick. We know that he has has it out for Liz Cheney. And before any of us start to pat her on the back, in my opinion, you know, she, well, not my opinion, she voted overwhelmingly with the Trump agenda. So she's not some savior. I don't even understand. I mean, anytime anybody just crosses Trump in his mind just a little bit, he goes after you. But I just want to remind folks that Liz Cheney was very much in line with Donald J. Trump on policy issues when she was in that Congress. So don't, don't get, don't get this twisted. That is true, that is true. So on, on the bad side, supporters agenda on the good side is now against him and is a Cheney. Anyway, yeah, I don't understand people's need to like venerate Liz Cheney or whatever. Please. But on the other side of the coin, I don't think that she destroyed January 6th evidence. Well, yeah. I think, <laughs> no. I, she, I think if you're gonna make that claim, you need to provide evidence. That's she true, hasn't John. done that. Yeah, yeah I got well, off top, you're right. Yeah, no, no, she, no, no. There's, there's no proof that she did that. At the same time, you know, do both of them just are out to get each other? In other words, I'm not so sure that Liz Cheney has necessarily seen the light as much as she's just totally anti-Trump at this moment. But she was not always anti-Trump. So if she's seen the light, hey, God bless her if she's seen it. I just don't believe it. I just believe those two are just going at each other and Mm -hmm. that nothing about her her internal policy compass Mm -hmm. has changed. I think that I think that that is a fair assessment. Um, that said, I want to go to um, you know, some of the other people that were involved with this sort of area of the January 6th thing. So here is uh, the acting defense secretary at the time on January 6th, Christopher Miller, uh, being interviewed by the January 6th committee. To be crystal clear, there was no direct order from President Trump to put 10,000 troops to be on the ready for January 6th. Correct. No. Yeah, you're, that's correct. There was no direct, there was no order from the president. Yeah, it just, it, it didn't happen. Again, it's, this is one of the weirdest things that we have to sort of discuss on this show. When a claim is made that isn't true, but also if it was true, it wouldn't matter. It seems weird to have to fact check that, but both things can be true at the same time. That's, he did not actually do that. And even if he had done that, that does not absolve him of responsibility for the terrible things that happened on January 6th. I still think it's his to lose. And I think that by the time we get through the first three and we get to Super Tuesday, it's gonna be Donald Trump likely left standing. All right, so what happens if he's indicted at some point? He can be president from jail if he has to, but I think to your point, point, Paul, despite all of the threats, despite all the charges, Republicans are still rallying around Donald Trump. Well, that is certainly true. Uh, That is one true thing that was said on Fox News. Despite all of the charges, they are definitely rallying around him. Uh, To be clear, it was a weird question that was asked by one of the panelists. What happens if he's indicted? He, He was indicted. He's been indicted multiple times. He's facing 91 different counts amongst those many indictments. You might want to pay attention to the news. It's your job. But anyway, 
the just throwaway comment on that panel is he can be president from jail. And we understand that it is sort of an open legal question as to whether that is actually possible. My bigger concern is that none of them appear to have an issue with it. And they say, you know, people are still rallying around him. The MAGA world is still rallying around him. And my guess would be that the the majority, possibly the vast majority of the MAGA world would agree with them. It is not an issue. If he is convicted, if he is sentenced to months, years in prison, it is not a problem. He will just be president from the big house. Nina, what do you think about that? You know, Trump continues to aim to make history. <laughs> in this case, he's making all the wrong, trying to make all the wrong types of history. And they meant convicted, you know, maybe they got tangled up and said indict, indicted, but they absolutely meant convicted. And it, but it's okay. true, John. I mean, he, he could. You know, we're going into territory we've never been in as a country for somebody that is the top contender right now for the GOP primary for this year, 2024 election cycle, and who is still is trouncing even with all of the stuff that he has hanging over his head. He's beating the current president right now. And it's just really, I mean, for me, it's something for Democrats to think about. A man with all of these indictments, impeached twice, and he is trouncing every other person on the GOP side and set to, I mean, could if things don't change, uh, beat the sitting president. Yeah, we'll definitely worry about that. And we will be talking about that uh, more in the show. I just, I think, I can't, I, I don't know why I expect consistency. I don't know why, but like, I think if we were in the same position and like, Bernie Sanders had been president for four years, and then Bernie Sanders stole a bunch of documents and tried to blackmail the government of Ukraine, and then uh, did a riot and tried to overturn the results of the election. I like, I like to think that the vast majority of Bernie Sanders supporters would have an issue with some of that, and it is very much the minority position when it comes to Trump. Just forty, just sorry, just twenty-four percent of respondents. Who said they plan to vote for Trump? Said that he should not be the nominee if he's found guilty in one of his legal trials. That is, that's a very like it is exceedingly rare for a MAGA person to admit that it's a problem and that they should have someone else. Even though I will remind you, the other candidates they can choose from, like Ron DeSantis, he's worse than Trump on some of the culture war stuff, and he would do all the same economic stuff, it, like. You, you, I understand if you're a MAGA person, you want Trump to build the wall or whatever. Ron DeSantis is saying we should just be gunning down migrants at the border. It is amazing to me the extent to which Ron DeSantis has desperately chased being the next Trump or whatever. And it is so utterly ineffective in winning over almost any of their support. Nikki Haley has said a lot of terrible stuff and she'd provide all the same tax cuts and all that business deregulation and everything. It's it's really weird to me, Nina. Like I understand that we're in sort of this exceptional political time or whatever, but that they are that devoted to a guy, seemingly just for the personal stuff, because a lot of the political sure. stuff would be basically the same under these other ghouls and goblins that they have on the GOP side. Or even as you just laid out, John, more of what they want is these people would go deeper and, and wider than what Trump is even willing to do. This is really a cult of personality. And it is going to be fascinating as social scientists continue to study this era 
of presidential history in the United States of America, what is going to be written for many, many generations to come about what a hold Donald J. Trump has on the psyche of his supporters. I mean, remember when he was running in 2016, he said, I can go out there, I think it was Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and get away. I mean, that is that that is proven to be prophetic, John. Yeah. In many yeah. ways. We're in such a weird spot. And uh, with all of what we're facing coming from that side, like one would hope that we would have an equally vigorous defense coming from our side. On the other side of this break, we're gonna get into what we do have on our side, in both the media and political ends. So we'll have that for you after this. I just wanna read one comment before we get serious again. It was from T-Pain on Twitch and it just says, Brett is basically a daddy. I hope Brett is watching, I'm sure <laughs> that he is not. Anyway, with that said, stop with all the jokes, everyone. It's time to get serious for a little bit. I wanna talk about the media and about the primary process. 2024 election and there is a GOP primary, there is a Democratic primary. And that might be news to some of you in the media watching this. I don't listen to a lot of political podcasts. It's so much of my life otherwise, but I do occasionally listen to the daily. And so this morning I loaded up the daily and I saw that this episode was loaded. It was Barbaro and Maggie Haberman, Trump's 2024 playbook. And it was an interesting essay or an interesting episode, I should say, kind of an essay, a spoken essay. It was about Donald Trump and his strategy to lock up the GOP primary before his court cases can catch up to him. And in particular, they focused on his rhetoric, but also the way that behind the scenes, he's working the refs at the state and federal level to get the rules for the GOP primary sort of rewritten in his favor to benefit him. And to prepare for the possibility that when the RNC happens, they don't have any sort of amendment that requires that you not be a jailbird to become president. It was a great look into all of what's being done by one of the leading candidates to rig things in their favor. And there's apparently no recognition that they're completely ignoring the version of that that's happening on the other side. They, like all of the media, are just pretending that there is not a Democratic primary. And there totally is. And I want to talk about it. And I want to get ahead of some of you might say, John, you're only focusing on this and you're biased because Jank is running in that primary. And I acknowledge that my boss, Jank Uger, is running in the primary. That is not why I'm saying this. I love Jank. I wish him the best in the primary. I am not working for his campaign. I'm not endorsing it, as I've always told everyone. I'm an RFK Jr. guy. But anyway, I'm joking. The thing is, Marianne Williamson is polling very well. Like she's got close to the same support that like Nikki Haley has against Trump. You have a sitting congressman in Dean Phillips who's also running. Cenk is not the only person running in this primary. And I understand what the media would say if you could ever pin them down on this. They would say, I mean, Biden's gonna be the nominee. And here's the thing, I'm willing to admit, yes, I think that even if the media focused on the primary and even if there were debates, I think that Biden would almost certainly end up being the nominee. But that does not stop the fact that there is a primary along the way. And if we're gonna rightly criticize the Republican Party, Trump specifically for rigging this thing, changing California to be a winner take all state for their delegates for the GOP so he can get a whole ton of delegates early on in the process. 
the fact that he's, for instance, skipping the GOP debates. Everybody's talking about that a lot, including the media. Well, where's Biden in the debates? So I understand that they would say it's just inevitable, but we also understand that for the vast majority of the members of the media, I can't speak to any of the individuals, they just want Biden to be the nominee. It is convenient to ignore that, for instance, some of the states, the DNC is effectively not having a primary. They've taken the other names off the ballot. That is, that's more insidious than what Maggie Haberman and Barbaro unveiled about Trump on the daily this morning. And so I just think, Nina, it is so weird that they have, without ever acknowledging it, just seemingly all agreed behind the scenes that we're gonna pretend that there's no primary. We're gonna go on about our day, we're gonna talk about the Republicans, and then that's gonna be it. What do you think? And it's irresponsible, John, for those in the media to do that. Just irresponsible. And as much as you know, people, the so-called the liberals and then the progressive left rail against Fox News with good reasons at times for being single-minded, we can say the same thing about the so-called liberal media as well. So your points are well taken. The Democratic Party has taken great pains to ignore that they do have three other people running in that dim primary. You have in Florida them totally rigging the game, just Biden will be the only name on the ballot in the primary. You have the DNC changing the order of the primary to make South Carolina first. Now we can have a debate as Democrats and those especially who navigate the Democratic Party itself, meaning people who have are officers of the Democratic Party, delegates within the Democratic Party inside the bubble about whether or not the way the primary process works of having Iowa and New Hampshire first and how diverse is that state or not diverse is that state. But that's been going on for a very long time. That didn't just stop start happening in 2016. They are doing that and using the black community as a foil because Senator Bernie Sanders and, and you know really started the progress the, the, the 21st century version of the progressive movement had a, a stronger shot. An outsider has a stronger shot running in that primary to shake things up with a Iowa or New Hampshire first. And so what the Democratic Party did, and it's very insulting to African Americans. And look, you're gonna have people like you know Clyburn and others sit up there and wave the oh, you know, those two states are not diverse. They got that checkmate. But are you just not? figuring that out? Was that an <laughs> issue five presidential primaries ago? Or is it only an issue because Biden was was what number four or five before we got to South Carolina? So they're cheating the system. So you got Donald Trump cheating the system on the GOP side, and you got Biden and the DNC cheating the system on the other side. And the media has an obligation to call that out. And your point about how Marianne Williamson is doing, yes, she's doing extraordinarily well, but mainstream media acts as if she's not in that race. They act as if Dean Phillips, he's newer to the race and Jink too, newer to the race. We had RFK Jr. was running as a Democrat before he went independent. And then you got Dr. Cornell West also running as an independent. So you got two independent candidates that I think would light a fire to both stages. Yeah. Whether they were on the GOP debate stage 
or the the Democratic debate stage. Now, none of these, neither one of these corporations have an obligation. So, John, my last point is, I would just want to remind our viewers that the the DNC and the RNC, they're corporations, they're private corporations that get to make their own rules, and the rest of us bend towards those rules. Hundred percent. Yeah, they 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 sort of set the agenda by what they cover, but equally importantly, by what they choose not to. That's right. They could be talking about this. Uh, I'm not saying like, and I know that I'm focusing a lot on the daily or whatever. I'm not saying they talk about it every day. They couldn't do one episode. Marion Williamson was a national public figure for years. Again, Dean Phillips is a sitting congressperson. This is not like there's some one rando polling at 0.2% who runs every cycle or whatever. That is not what is happening in the primary. And again, I understand some of you listening to this might be huge fans of Biden might find a primary to be inconvenient or whatever. My response to you, and I know that you think that I'm biased, is it's still happening. And like in a cycle where so many Democrats are stressing the importance of democracy, the substance of democracy, can we not have an election? An election, by the way, where maybe Biden campaigns, Biden debates, and you know what? He wows people with how reasonable he is and how centrist he is or whatever. And you know what else would happen along the way? He'd be seen by a bunch of people. People would be reminded, oh yeah, it's not just Nikki Haley and Chris Christie and Donald Trump. There's also a Democrat out there, but that's not what we get. And so again, I will remind everyone if we could bring up graphic three. Marion Williamson nationally in the aggregate and real clear polling, uh, real clear politics is at 7.9%. There's polls where she's at 13, 14%. That is higher than Ron DeSantis in national polls. And yet you have like here, we're gonna have a debate actually for once. There's gonna be a debate, Marion Williamson, Dean Phillips. It took the, the New England College, I think, is gonna run it. The Democratic Party is involved, no CNN, no MSNBC. But you know what they do have time for? Another round of Republican forums. Coming up this Thursday, CNN is gonna give Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley town halls. Again, same night, they've already done it before. And you know what? They should, but they should also acknowledge that they could give Marianne Williamson one. They could give Cornell West one. Dean Phillips is a sitting freaking congressman. But there's no time for that. No, you can do multiple rounds of Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Ramaswamy got a town hall, which he used to just spread a bunch of nonsensical white supremacist conspiracy theories. But Marianne Williamson, a national figure and best selling author, doesn't get a town hall. Again, it is ridiculous. And I'm not saying there's no response they could give that maybe would explain how they are in lockstep, ignoring the Democratic primary. But what bothers me is they don't have to explain it at all. And so what I would love is for everyone to message these hosts, message CNN, message the DNC and ask them, is there a democratic primary? Cuz you're acting like there's not. Put a little bit of pressure on them to explain themselves as to how they can effectively do the work of Joe Biden in ignoring this. And and I will throw out one little hypothetical to you to end this. If somehow in 2020 it hadn't been Joe Biden that won the Democratic primary, it'd been Bernie Sanders. And he goes on to beat Trump, and now Trump is coming back at him. Do you think they'd be ignoring the Democratic primary in that case? 
if it was Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema's running against him, and I don't, Adam Schiff is primarying sitting President Bernie Sanders, do you think they would be completely ignoring it in that case? I feel pretty confident that they wouldn't, Nina. No, absolutely not, John. And this is a disservice to democracy, period, plain and simple. And yes, the Democratic Party that often rightly criticizes the GOP, they're falling into that same category of trying to squash, suffocate democracy. There's no reason to do that. And lastly, the incumbent usually has the advantage, usually. I mean, yeah. the, the incumbent has a bigger advantage than any of the challengers. Now, that doesn't mean that the incumbent is always going to win, but an incumbent comes into the next election cycle that they run in with a built in advantage. And that is even before all the other levers are brought to bear to push that person over the top like the DNC is doing right now. It's a, it's a, it's a disgrace. And I'm a member of the DNC and it's an absolute disgrace. The D Democratic Party can no longer shout from the rooftops or, or talk about or criticize the GOP of squashing democracy while they're doing the same thing. Yeah, 100%. Hey, so your point is so, so you're 100% right in the primary, sitting president always wins the primary. Okay, so for Biden, it's just, it's inconvenient. We're just gonna dispense with it. Well, you know what? Sitting president um, almost always wins reelection. So why don't we just why don't we just skip the general? You know, right. it's an inconvenience, and we they always end up winning anyway. You it's either a have a democracy or you don't. That's right. Anyway, I apologize. I, I had a lot more to say about that than I thought I, I would. So we're gonna take our second break a little bit early. When we come back, we gotta dig into some some really eye opening polls. Uh, some of them have to bear on Biden. Some of them have to bear on Trump. We'll have that and more after this. Okay, if you're just joining us now, please hit the like button. I'm um, I'm gonna try to not be as angry as I have been as we launch into more news, starting with this. It's been three years, about three years since January 6th. And what has happened across those three years? Republicans have become more sympathetic towards Donald Trump and the big lie and those who stormed the Capitol on January 6th. Take a look at this updated polling comparing 2023 and 2021. And what you have is overall, do you think that the protesters who entered the Capitol were mostly peaceful or mostly violent? Republicans, 26% had been willing to admit in 2021 that they were mostly violent. That has dropped to 18%, losing a significant, almost one third of those who were willing to admit it before are not now. Even the Democrats dropped a tick. I guess that's probably just, you know, like standard variation over time. But overall, about 10% of US adults overall have changed their opinion. And as we've moved a couple of years away from what almost everyone agreed on the day and the days after was an unacceptable crossing of a line that should never be crossed. I mean, even Kevin McCarthy was saying that Trump was responsible. Lindsey Graham had had enough. And then some weeks pass and some months pass and a couple of years pass. And you know, you add a little dollop of propaganda from Fox News, Tucker Carlson working for years to normalize the violence we saw, which again, I will remind everyone, multiple people died. There were crowds trying to beat cops to death with flagpoles, mostly peaceful at this point. Um, 
and we see some changes to um, you know, overall and responses of related questions. So do you think that it threatened democracy uh, or was it a defense of democracy? Well, the protesters in entering the Capitol, you still have 58% say that it threatened democracy. There were tw there's still 12% of the country says that that was a defense of democracy. And one out of four people are like, eh, neither of those. They're ambiguous as to whether it was good to have a violent mob storming the Capitol. A lot of other questions related to that. But Nina, I want your thoughts about this. As we've moved a couple years from January 6th, what do you think about the evolution on that topic? I think it's fading from people's memories somewhat. I mean, there's so much going on. I mean, when we think about what's happening in the Middle East, we still got Ukraine, you got horror raging in the Sudan, Congo. Mm -hmm. Haiti, other places. I think other things are above what happened on January the 6th. And so people's memories are fading. And then the Republicans, especially Donald J. Trump, he promotes a different narrative. And the way he pushes that narrative and his disciples push that narrative is certainly more compelling than the Democratic side. Yeah, look, and I think that that's largely fair. I mean, over the course of years, there's been a lot of difficulties. If, if some people want to focus on things that maybe hit closer to home, hit their pocketbook, I understand that. Um, but like, but when you're asked specifically about it, like viewing it as less threatening, like yes, I, it's been it's been some time. I understand that things have been normalized or whatever. But as we cruise towards 2024, we're also cruising towards an opportunity for a redo of January 6th, like. Trump could just win, that is definitely true. I'm super worried about that. But if Trump doesn't win, does everyone think that the lesson that he's learned over the past three years is, I should probably just cool my jets, I should just accept it, I should be the bigger man. Does anybody think that what he's not going to try cool? He's three years closer to death now. This is basically the rest of his life is what happens in this election. And so we could be facing another January 6th. And I feel like the country is like less prepared for violence in the streets than they were three years ago when we experienced it. I guess that's my fear. What do you think? I think, I mean, people are exhausted too. I'm glad you brought up things that are closer to home. I mean, the economy, despite what those numbers say, what's happening in the streets is different than what's happening in the bubble. And what those numbers really reflect is not what is the reality of most people in this country who are suffering under the weight of high healthcare costs, suffering under the weight of student loan costs. If you were somebody that went to college, suffering under the weight. I mean, the reason why we had Solidarity Summer is not because workers are getting what they deserve. We had Solidarity Summer, which is now Solidarity Winter, is because workers, what is happening within the House of Labor is a reflection of how workers in this country are feeling the pain that people are feeling in their everyday lives. So John, all of that is swirling, you know, in this particular moment and grievances swirling in this particular moment on top of every other thing that comes with just being a human yeah. being and trying to make it through this this thing that we call life. Well, I I understand that. Um I'm it's going to be interesting to see as we get like in so 2024 is big for a lot of reasons. So not only do we have the Republican primaries actually going to begin in a couple of weeks, but within two months we're going to have the Trump trials begin. All 80 of them or whatever. And 
And then, you know, obviously the the general election. It's going to be interesting to see as people are sort of reminded of, like, twenty twenty become seems a little bit abstract. I think um, it's going to become more real with all the campaigning and the ads and all that. And so, um, it's going to be interesting to see what people think as we get into that process. I just want to throw out just a little bit of of polling. Just I want your quick reactions to this that could bear on on these topics. So, sure. uh, new polling for Joe Biden. Having to do with Hispanic voters, according to a new poll, Trump Biden trails Trump amongst Hispanic voters by a 39 to 34 margin. He's down by five points. He won Hispanic voters by two to one margin in 2020. That is a massive change. Now, yes, one is vote count versus polling. Polling about a year before an election, things can change, but that is a there's 40 point swing or something. And look, when you dive into the poll, it isn't that the Hispanic voters that are being polled are changing from supporting Biden to supporting Trump. I mean, many of them are, but a significant chunk chunk are now saying that they want to support a third party candidate. So the support is going to different places, but it's leaving Biden. And that should be very worrying, I think, Nina. What do you think? Yeah, no, agreed. I mean, he has not done anything that spectacularly changes material conditions in this country and the polls are reflecting how people are feeling right now. The biggest challenge, John, I think is going to be people are just not going to come out and vote. That is what is going to happen in 2024. And for those who don't come out to vote, we know that that more likely than not is going to swing it to Trump's favor. Trump's base is much more animated than Biden's base. And not, not and let's not delude ourselves. Biden never had a strong base to begin with. Let's not forget that. These votes were mainly anybody but Trump. Mm-hmm. And Biden won the electability uh, contest against Senator Bernard Sanders in that 2020 election. Otherwise, Senator Bernard Sanders could have very well been president. And you know, full disclosure, I was a national co-chair for that race. But that to me is what happened. So Trump has a very animated base, Democrats do not. And then you pour on what's happening right here domestically and you pour on what's happening internationally. And I think that's feeding into these polls. And Trump is not the president right now, John. And I would love your thoughts on that. See, Democrats playing a dangerous game because they continue to blame Trump. Trump ain't president right now. It has not been, you know, as of 2024 for over three years now. Yeah, it's receded from people's mind, and you know, rightly or wrongly, people think here's the status quo. If I like it, well, Biden was president while I was liking it. Maybe he's responsible. But if you don't like it, then yeah. And by the way, sometimes I think that makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes there are long-term effects of policies. All of that is true, but that is what is happening. So everyone needs to to bear that in mind. And like, it's easy for us who are constantly like wading through the day to day of politics to remember exactly what Trump was like and what the Trump years were like. But for most people, they haven't been thinking about it. That you know, the pandemic has receded a little bit in their mind. Um, and so yeah, I they don't necessarily remember exactly how how horrible the day to day crush of news was and what he represents as a candidate. Now, Nina, maybe they'll be reminded through the course of this campaign, Trump is going to be, you know, doing his stump speeches about how immigrants are poisoning the blood of America and how leftists are vermin that need to be rooted out. So maybe that'll remind him, but maybe Trump, it won't. 
Trump hasn't changed though, John, that's the thing. Trump is still trumping, so no surprises there. I think the major, two major things that are gonna animate voters is the economy always. And then it's what's happening in the Middle East. When Trump was president, there was not slaughter of innocent people. We're at 30,000 now. You know, when you see dead babies, parents crying and gripping their dead babies, uh, folks who have been injured, you know, people, the people who are alive are never going to be ever normal again. They're never going to recapture what they had before. You got over 60% of Gaza just blown the hell up. See, that variable right there is a very powerful variable that is as, as, as harsh as Trump, the Trump years were. There wasn't this. And if yeah. people are going to measure him and his rhetoric compared to what is happening in real time in people's real lives, it's a big difference. Everyone's gonna need to buckle up. I mean, I think, look, at we we spent basically the entire first hour talking mainly about uh, the 2024 election and a little bit of New Year's Rock and Eve. Um, but that makes sense because it is going to be one of the main topics, I think, of focus uh, for this year and the stakes like could not be higher. I will throw one, uh, just one more stake out. If it's not clear, obviously, faded democracy, the economy. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll literally just remove corporate tax cuts this time, like corporate taxes um, entirely. There's no taxes. But I will remind everyone: Trump already got a super majority of conservatives on the Supreme Court. If he is president for another four years, that's a great opportunity for like Clarence Thomas to step down and be replaced by another Republican ghoul or whatever. Or God forbid, if one of the few libs on the court steps down, I mean, you don't even have a court anymore. You just have the Heritage Foundation in robes. That's what you will have. So everyone, just, there's a lot of stakes. We're gonna continually be reminding you, we're gonna be on this beat. That said, that's all the time we have for the first hour of the show. Nina will be returning on the other side of the break, so nobody go anywhere. We got the aftermath, we got some awesome stories to talk about. If you've been listening to this as a podcast, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful. I'm gonna be reading some of those reviews on the show live soon, so we always appreciate those. For now, though, we're gonna take a short break and come back with more after this.